It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Kruger, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out all of our other links on the link tree in the description. This week's episode... The Somerton Man. And before we get started with this week's topic, I'd like to remind everybody that you can support the show on Patreon. That's right, we do have a Patreon now. We've got three different tiers. The first tier gets you early access and ad-free versions of the show. The middle tier will get you bonus content. And at the highest tier, you can help us decide what topic will be coming up next. That's how we landed on this one, the Summerton Man. Actually, this week's vote was a tie, <laughs> so we'll just do both of them. Uh, we had two two topics in this vote, the Summerton Man and the Allagash abductions. So we'll do that one next time. So we'll get all both of them done because it was a uh, dead even. It's never happened before, and I, I was hmm, maybe should I flip a coin or what should I do about this? I don't know. Anyways, Patreon links in the description. Help support the show. We really appreciate you guys. All right, let's get to it. Somerton Park is a quiet suburb of Adelaide in southern Australia. It's on the coast to the southeast. On December 1st, 1948, a man was found dead on the beach. No one knew who he was. Police investigated the incident, but were only able to uncover more mystery. This case has become one of Australia's most well-known cases. Uh, I probably should rewrite that sentence there, huh? This week, we take a look at the strange case of the Somerton Man. <laughs> I need to rewrite that intro. That was not very good. Ah, whatever. We'll keep it. Are you guys, are you uh, agents familiar with this case? Uh, not, Bef- not as well as I'd like to be. Sorry. You too? Before, beforehand, I wasn't familiar at all with the case, to be quite honest. And then, like, as I looked more and more into it, like, 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 uh, as the time started to wear down here towards the episode, I was like, damn, I should have done more research with this shit. Like, yeah. There, there's a lot <laughs> going on here. Yes. I mean, there's, it's a ton, not just the evidence and like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, like the evidence and like the autopsy and stuff after, but like, um, there's a, this, this mystery has, has been going on for a long time and there's still a lot of people that are interested in it. And, uh, it's, it's, a it's a, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't necessarily say that I know what happened here, but like, I have my opinions, of course, as we all do, but it's a very interesting case, you know, and, and, you know, supposedly the, the name of this guy may be found, you know, it might be a possibility that we know who this guy may have been, but that doesn't necessarily answer the questions though, of why he was there and, and what happened to him. And we'll get into all that, of course. Yeah, we'll talk but about yeah, that at the end. This is a very maybe. interesting case. Uh, yeah, a lot of mysteries here. A lot of uh, compelling evidence. Yeah, we don't we don't want to spoil the punchline of the possible identification until the end. 
<laughs> Don't want to get ahead. Yeah, of course. Well, let's yeah. start at the beginning. So the story begins on December 1st, 1948 at 6.30 in the morning when the police received a call reporting a body on the beach, on the Somerton Beach. The man was lying on the sand with his head resting against the seawall across from the crippled children's home. He was dressed in brown pants, a white shirt, red and white, red, white, and blue tie, socks and shoes, a brown pullover, and a gray and brown double-breasted jacket that appeared to have American tailoring. We'll get in more into that later. They noticed that all of the labels on his clothes had been removed. Again, we'll talk more about that in a moment, I'm sure. His legs were, his legs were extended and his feet were crossed. An unlit cigarette was on the right collar of his coat or the left collar, depending on who you talk to. The police initially thought that he might have died while sleeping. Well, you know, duh. <laughs> um, the man was of a British appearance, 40 to 45 years old, 5 foot 11, gray eyes, light colored hair, and in top physical condition. His hands and nails didn't show any sign of physical labor. His big and little toes were pointed in, indicating that he wore shoes or boots with pointed toes. He had beefy calf muscles consistent with a ballet dancer or someone who wore boots with high heels. I thought that was a very strange detail. Mm, beefy. Yeah. Oh, beefy. <laughs> Love them beefy calves. So that's what they found. They found just a guy kind of laying there, right? They, they searched the body, obviously, and they, they took fingerprints. They looked at dental records and nothing could be matched anywhere. And, you know, I'd have notes later on, but I might as well mention it now. They even contacted other nations like the United States through the FBI and Scotland Yard and everybody, and nobody could match his prints or any information about him whatsoever. The guy is a complete ghost. So on his person, they had an unused rail ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, um, a bus ticket that may or may not be unused, an aluminum comb that was made in the UFA, USA, a half full pack of juicy fruit gum, a pack of cigarettes with seven cigarettes in the pack. Now, this is one of the interesting details is that the pack of cigarettes was Army Club brand, but the cigarettes in the pack were Kensitas, uh, K-E-N-S-I-T-A-S, a different brand. That's kind of strange. You don't see that too often. He's carrying around. Mm -hmm. I That's don't know. very odd, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, the case just gets weirder and weirder, so it shouldn't surprise you. I mean, there, there's no detail in the case that actually seems normal, so it shouldn't be surprised that the cigarettes are really weird as well, but there it is. He also had a box of matches that was, you know, a, a third or a fourth of the way full. He had no wallet or identification on him, of course, because otherwise, you know, it would be much easier. You probably wouldn't be talking about it, but yeah, no identification whatsoever. After it hit the news, a couple of witnesses from the area came forward. On the evening of November 30th, he was seen lying on the spot where he was found. One couple saw him at 7 o'clock and said he had extended his right arm and dropped it limply. Another couple saw him from 7.30 to 8 and did not see him move, but thought his position had changed. They thought he was drunk and passed out or maybe just asleep. And I, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, how many damn drunk people are there passed out on this beach? <laughs> right. <laughs> to where Is this a normal occurrence? Yeah. To where people just walk by and they just see a dude there and they're like, ah, it's another drunk yeah. passed out person. Well, 
You know, and, and another thing that I had read from one of the statements that, uh, uh, from, you know, somebody had, that had seen him the night before he was found dead was that he didn't seem to be bothered by like, like mosquitoes and stuff that had been swarming around him right. and, and such. And I don't know. I, I, I've been like in, you know, you know, off-roading and stuff like that, you know, like mosquitoes will, I don't know, maybe if you're drunk and passed out, sure. Like you might not notice it, but like that, it'll, those those little suckers will tear you up sometimes. And I, I mean, if as long as you're not like really drunk or something like that, then I would think it would wake you up. Like at least from the the bother of them being all over you and stuff. So, like to me, it's kind of weird that that didn't like you know like spark anybody's suspicion or they didn't like go up to him and say, "Hey, buddy," and like you know you what are you doing here? Like you know like like yeah. and I mean, this is a long time ago too. And, and right. You know, like, I don't know, it's in 1948, I, I would think that people would be more likely to to stop by and just like, like kick him on the shin or something like that and say, hey, are you all right? You know? Right. Maybe, maybe not. I think, maybe, I mean, well, uh, Ozzy uh, Mima uh, states in the live show chat saying that it's Australia and that it's pretty uh, common in Australia to find people just passed oh. out on the beach. Um, <laughs> C.H. So, Anderson, I told you she was Australian. Yeah, <laughs> what well, is Aussie Mima? Yeah, Aussie Mima. Well, it's it's in Aussie. the name pretty much, right? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Aussie Mima. Uh, Welcome to the show. Yeah. By the way, anybody who wants to <laughs> pop in with an opinion, especially Aussie Mima, this is a huge, huge case in Australia, from what I understand. So anybody who wants to pop in and say a bit about it, you're more than welcome to. Otherwise, if you have stage fright, that's okay too. But yeah, this is this is a huge mystery, one of one of the biggest big ones from over there, from what I understand. But yeah, that was one of the details yeah, that. And, yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead, Agent Kruger. Nothing, no, nothing important. It's just it's just odd. I mean, just I mean, yeah. being next to the crippled children's home and just the tags being removed, all this stuff. It just it just I want to say it seems like a it's like a but before trolling was a thing. Like you have a. Maybe this was a serial killer, just a weird sense of humor. He just wanted to twist things up. But no, I'm not stating anything. You know, yeah. like it's just or claiming things. But yeah, sorry. I'll shut up now. All right. It's well, weird. It's just it gets weirder. <laughs> so here we go. One of the witnesses yes, does. said that they saw a man looking down at the sleeping man from the steps that led to the beach. Now that mayor I mean, there's if this is a beach. Um, and there are people there just strolling around or whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. That guy at the top could be looking down, thinking to himself, do I recognize that guy? Or, you know, is he okay? Or what? there's any number of reasons why you could be mm -hmm. looking down. It's not necessarily suspicious in and of itself. And especially I think when I read that is that if you are the person who, let's say, did something nefarious, you're not going to stick around and sort of hang out and look at the person, right? No, yeah. Yeah. And so this is a, In most a place, cases, right? Somerton mm. Park <laughs> is like a, like I said, a quiet suburb. And I looked it up on Wikipedia and apparently it has a population of about like 5,000 these days. And it looks on the map, it looks like a really small kind of a, an area. It's not a very huge area. Um, you know, like a lot of, you know, a lot of small towns nowadays even can be you know, populations of 50 to a hundred thousand might even be considered a small town depending on where you live. But this is like a small, small suburb. So I don't know if there's a lot of tourism here or, or what, but you get the impression that there are a lot of people walking around and there was, 
There's one more witness that I wanted to mention that came forward years later in 1959 and said that he and three others had seen a well-dressed man carrying another man on his shoulders the night before the body was found. Uh, This one... I was going to mention that. Yeah, I'm not sure about this one because this case was really quite a big deal at the time, or at least it became so eventually. Why would you wait like 10 years to come forward with such a critical piece of information? So maybe they were just scared or shy or something. Who knows? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I wish they would have come forward a little sooner with that description. They might have been able to help out the, the case. But I kind of mm-hmm. wonder if it's sort of a hoaxer coming forward for some reason. I don't know. What do you think about that one, Agent ETA? Well, I mean, it definitely could have been somebody who was just trying to, you know, gain attention or what have you from from the the situation. Maybe they were just a fan of it, and they 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 were into the mystery, you know, and, and intrigue within the case and stuff, and they just wanted to be involved somehow. That, that's kind of how I looked at that. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's who knows what the truth of it really is, to be quite honest. You know, it's, 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 it's not like a, a statement that is, uh, and I didn't even eat like, like through the, you know, the research, a little bit of research that I did here on that, you know, it's like, I, I couldn't find a name or it's like, it seemed like it was an, an uh, anonymous uh, tip or what have you, you know? Yeah. A lot of the people involved in this case, like witnesses and whatnot, they were either kept anonymous or in the press, they were given pseudonyms because this thing was such a big deal that the the police didn't want people to be become harassed because of their involvement. So a lot of them were mm. not given their real names. Some of the people, a handful of the people involved, we're still not sure who they are to this day. But most most of them have been identified over the years. But it doesn't really matter all that much for you know who these witnesses were because they were just witnesses. They were not necessarily directly involved, other than you know, making a casual observation, but yeah. Yeah. So the next notes I have on is the autopsy. Did you want to talk about that a little bit ETA? Sure. So the, the autopsy was done by um, a pathologist named John Cleland, I think is a, the right way to pronounce his name. I think. Yeah. I think that's the way, right? Yes. But so, so anyways, yeah, as you had mentioned before, he had described the guy as being between somewhere around 40 and 45 years old. And, uh, and, "Quote unquote top physical position of uh, uh, condition position. What the hell am I talking about? But, but uh, so the guy was about you know five foot eleven, um, and like you guys had said, uh, he had gray eyes, and uh, he had mentioned you know like uh, his hair was like a ginger colored hair or what have you, and uh, he had also mentioned like you know the shape of his toes and stuff, um, and like uh, so it it." it you know, the guy, uh, that, and that was one of the reasons why some people thought that maybe he might have been like a ballet dancer or something like that was because not only his, the shape of his toes, but also like the, the condition of his calves, you know, he was a broad shouldered man with a, uh, you know, a smaller waist, which means obviously his shoulders were broader than his waist was, you know, and, uh, he was in very good condition. But, uh, I mean the toes to me, like uh, you could just be wearing like some kind of like, you know, boots that you know, or, or shoes that naturally come into, well, not naturally, but like, you know, they come into a tip or something. So that doesn't necessarily, to me, mean, makes you a, a ballet dancer, but the guy was in very good uh, condition. And, um, he said that his, his heart was of a normal size and, um, normal in every way. Uh, he, he had some, uh, some other 
weird stuff going on though. Uh, so some of the uh, the small vessels observed in his brain were were uh, had uh, quote unquote discernible. Uh, they were discernible with uh, congestion, and I'm, I'm not quite sure what that means to be quite honest. But there, you know, it's a little abnormal, I guess. From yeah, what I this was, guy was ask, saying, what, what does that sound? Yeah, I, mean, I saw like, that. What does that mean? I, I, I saw I that in the description. I assume it means that yeah, the ahead. blood was congealed or something, but. Yeah, they said they found congestion in a lot of the organs and stuff. I was like, what What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and, well, and especially his stomach, right? So yeah. his stomach uh, was mixed with, like, he had food in there also. And um, the food that he had was was uh, in his stomach was called a, um, a pasty. I guess it's a, a type of British pastry mm-hmm. that has, like, a, you know, meat and vegetables and stuff in it, you know. Um but he also had uh, um, there was a lot of uh, like blood in his stomach as well, and um, throughout like I mean so basically the conclusion of of like uh, this pathologist's uh, autopsy on him was that he believes that he died uh, either you know self inflicted or not self inflicted from poisoning. I was gonna say yeah, but, it sounds like he could have just OD'd. I mean honestly, like well. I mean, maybe, but like they also weren't able to find any like like poisons in his system, which isn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't poisoned or that he didn't commit suicide through poisoning. It's just that like you know whatever killed him, may, you know, they didn't find in his system. Which you know, back in those days, I don't know how uh, advanced their uh, yeah their, yeah I was about to ask their methods were, but like um you know i mean through through reading this guy's statement i mean it sounds like he he knew what the heck he was talking about and stuff and i mean he also had um uh, acute uh gastritis uh, hemorrhage um and uh and a con- congestive uh, liver and his in his liver and spleen sorry huh. wow. <laughs> yeah and almost and, like where he chose though, to rest and everything i mean i don't know if he was placed there or if he sat down and just like Maybe he just knew he was going out and he just chose to like watch one more yeah. sunset or something like that. Or, you know, whatever the case may be, maybe he just, you know, yeah. wanted so, to go so, out on his own terms or something. There's a bigger so there have, story there too. That we there don't have know. been people that theorize that maybe the pastry that he ate was like a uh, poisoned or what have you, but there, there's been no conclusive evidence to state that. They're just saying that maybe he was a, you know, and we'll get into who he may have been and, and some of the conspiracies about like why he was, uh, why he ended up dead. Uh, and there's a couple different decent ones, but some people say that he might have been poisoned through this this last meal, or he just, you know, basically he he, he took poison himself and and chose to uh, commit suicide, you know. And uh, I mean, I mean, if you want to get into it, like like you know, Agent Anderson, I mean, like. Uh, one of the reasons why people think that may have been a possibility was because later on after he had been found dead. And I think, what was it like a uh, 14 days after, or it was at least, at least a couple of weeks or something like that. They found a note in his trousers. Yeah. Well, let's, let's and, wait, uh, let's wait on the note the, a little bit because there's, you wait? yeah, look, okay. there's, there's some other stuff that they found first before they found the note that I wanted to do it in yes. sort of, okay. sort of chronological as much as I could. But yeah, so the, okay, yeah, yeah. the autopsy, they definitely thought he was poisoned for sure. Like you said, like there was blood in his stomach yeah. and stuff like that. And it looked like he was in a pretty bad state, but they, they weren't able to determine, you know, what, what exactly had happened with that. 
And then after the autopsy, yeah. it was pretty much a dead end at that point, right? They, they weren't even sure that the man, they, the witnesses had seen laying down was necessarily the same person found the next day. It could have been a totally different guy, theoretically, right? And there was one strange item with the autopsies that they determined that he had died sometime around two in the morning. Somebody made that determination, and yet they determined mm -hmm. that his last meal, the pasty, was eaten three to four hours before he died. So that would be at 10 p.m. So if that was the same man laying there, he was laying there comatose, and then he would have had to get up, go buy a pasty, eat it, and then come back and then die <clears throat> a little bit later. So that doesn't really check out. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So there's a couple of possibilities here. The most likely possibility is that the time of death is probably not accurate. So the 2 a.m. is probably wrong. And that's the easiest way to explain the discrepancy. Um, you know, there, there are other possibilities, but that one to me makes the most sense. So there was a break in the case on the 14th of January. They found a brown suitcase at the rail station in the cloakroom that had been checked in sometime after 11 a.m. on November 30th. Its label oh, yeah. had been removed, just like all of his clothing. And they believed that the suitcase had belonged to the man, to the, the guy they found dead on the beach, the Somerton man. They found some stuff inside this. this the stuff in there was the usual stuff you might find for a traveler, you know, extra clothes, some pajamas, some slippers, underwear, and that kind of stuff you know, pencils and stationery. And, but they did find a couple of unique items, like an electrician screwdriver, a table knife that had been basically modified to be a shank is how the description read. Maybe like a, a butter knife that had been sharpened or something. Scissors that had been sharpened to points. Um, a small square of zinc that had been used as a sheath for the knife. I was like, how does that work? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> sheath for zinc. I don't know even know how... Anyways, a stenciling brush, like what you might use to paint numbers on a box in a warehouse, and a, th a card of thread of Barber brand orange waxed thread. And this is how they're, they're pretty sure that this is his suitcase, because that same thread had been used to patch one of his pockets, and that thread brand was not available in Australia at the time. So they're pr that, that pretty much ties him to the suitcase even though there's no idea or anything other than that, but it was a very unusual thing, you know, type of thread to find apparently. So there, there was one odd thing is they didn't find any socks in the brief briefcase, but they did find three dry cleaning marks. It's described as, and I don't know if those are dry cleaning tickets or if the clothes themselves were somehow marked by the dry cleaners. I don't know, but they found mm -hmm. evidence of dry cleaning and they investigated, they looked around you know, probably every, everywhere by some point, they asked around all the dry cleaners probably in Australia and were unable to find anybody who could identify those particular dry cleaning marks. So all of this points towards somebody who had traveled to Australia from outside of Australia is what it kind of sounds like. Um, in particular, like his clothes I mentioned had all the labels had been removed but the, some of the stitching was done in a style that indicated it had been from America. So I, I'm not sure if how solid that is. I mean, somebody, I mean, why else, would you do that? Why would you go to the length to do that? Sorry to cut in. It's just like, why yeah. would you go to the length of doing that? I mean, was this a tailored made suit back in the day? So were they trying to cover up the tracks on 
not going back and trying to figure out who the heck this could be. Yeah, I well, mean, you know what I mean? Or maybe the connection. I, I don't know. There's, there's a couple of different theories. Um, it could be if there was foul play, somebody who had murdered him might have removed all the tags from his clothes to keep him from being identified. Another idea right. is that if this guy was some sort of secret agent or spy, he may have removed them himself to make himself more incognito or something. But <laughs> there was one label, it was the name T. Keen, T, the initial T, and the last name K-E-A-N-E was on the tie, and K-E-A-N-E was on a laundry bag, and K-E-A-N was on an undershirt. So it was spelled without the E, which is kind of a strange hmm. detail. Now, if there was strange. foul play, somebody may have left those on purpose knowing that it was not the man's actual name is sort of a misdirection yeah. or, or they could be used clothes. So apparently <laughs> times were still pretty difficult economically, and it was fairly typical for people to have secondhand clothing at the time. I mean, it still is today. A lot of people will still have secondhand clothing, but back then it was apparently really common. So this just could be clothes that he got. But like I said, they were pretty much certain that these were some of the clothing at least was from America. So that would indicate mm -hmm. that these clothes were either brought in by the person wearing them or a different person brought them in because they didn't have any import tags or anything like that on them. Unless, of course, those markers had been removed as well. So I suppose that's always oh. a possibility. And then, and it also kind of, I mean, so that even uh, not back up, back it up. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, when it comes to whether it was somebody covering the tracks or maybe if it was at some, uh, an agent of some sort or somebody who wasn't supposed to be there, they, it sounds like a lot of the stuff was just like rushed in, you know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. to fill it in, like just to make it look like he, you know, oh, see, he's he's normal. He he was <laughs> he had a suitcase and everything. Like, just throw a bunch of random crap in there. I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. just really hastily put together. But they forgot wet, socks. Like it's, yeah, it's just <laughs> but nothing, no socks. <laughs> yeah, so they investigated different areas for a T Keen that was missing, and I guess eventually they were able to contact pretty much every English speaking country on the planet, and they couldn't find any trace of any T Keen that had gone missing anywhere. So uh, that that points more towards probably it not him not being named that because, you know, if a guy goes missing, some especially his clothes look looked pretty nice. So he wasn't, um, you know, some probably some uh, migrant worker or something like that who didn't really have any roots anywhere. He probably had like a good job somewhere or something in order to be able to afford this. And usually if somebody with a good job goes missing, there are reports of it, you know? So that's, mm -hmm. that's sort of strange that, you know, you didn't find that. So it probably was used clothing, but it's just a, another layer to the mystery. The police believe that he came to town on an overnight train from Melbourne, Sydney or Port, Port Augusta. And then he had, like I said earlier, he had a 10.50 a.m. A ticket to a 10:50 a.m. train to Henley Beach, but he did. He never used that. Obviously, for whatever reason, he planned on using it, but didn't. Now, this is one detail that kind of makes me lean away from like the suicide theory because maybe I guess, but if he was planning on committing suicide, he wouldn't buy a ticket. To me, this suggests that his journey 
whatever the purpose of it was, was somehow interrupted. You know, he had plans right. and they, they got cut short somehow one way or another, but mm-hmm. he didn't I, pack socks. I guess for suicide <laughs> though, I maybe depression could have struck him all of a sudden and he could have made a decision right then and there. And then, then his future plans wouldn't have made a difference, but still people who are in a depression like that don't tend to make future plans and buy tickets to go places. Yeah. Well, and they don't, they don't always, uh, make rational decisions either. You yeah. Know I mean, if they're, if they're going through, uh, great emotional swings, then there might be, there might just become a time where they just wave the effort flag, you know, and just like, yeah. all right, well, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and do this now. Cause I feel like doing it, I guess. I mean, that's, you know, maybe not a great way of, of, of saying it, but you know, and I think I forgot also, uh, before when I was t- talking about that, uh, the coroner or pathologist, uh, Thomas Cleland, um, he had, he had stated that the, the cause of death was, was by heart failure. And, uh, that, that's the reason why, like he thought he, he, he himself said that he thinks that this person was likely poisoned because the stomach was congested with a bunch of blood and stuff. And, uh, you say, know, that's yeah. what led, that's what led him to feeling that he had been poisoned, whether he poisoned himself or was poisoned by somebody else. That's a different story, but yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, then again, we don't know if he has military service too. Right. I mean, but there has been resemblances of a man that's he's around like there's stories where he bears a, a similar resemblance to the man, uh, a younger looking gentleman that he's obviously in the service of the Australians, you know, I on the military for Australia. Um, maybe it was just one of those, you know, where PTSD wasn't something that was identified back then. And he was going through some heavy stuff and he just, you know, peaced out on his own terms kind of thing. Or, well, I mean, it's possible because yeah. this was just after the, the end of the, uh, of World War II. So, right. Quite, so, quite mean, possible. Yeah. I mean, he could have seen something where he was just trying. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, and he has, he was built well and his legs were, you know, that signals to me if he wasn't a, a dancer. Then he was somebody who, you know, maybe infantryman or somebody higher, but, um, but he was definitely on his feet a lot, obviously, a you know, and with that toe man. shape of his, <laughs> it's definitely, <laughs> they used to call yeah, him twinkle toes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say private twinkle toes, get over here. But yeah, no, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it could be also his feet could have been shaped for the narrow boots that they wore. And those, like the Australians had some narrow looking boots. Well, back I mean, then, if, if his feet were shaped like that, then it was probably because of a choice of uh, style boots that he wore rather than military boots. Yeah. Huh. It could be as simple as that huh. too. Yeah. So they did have yeah. another, uh, they had an inquest and another autopsy on June 17th of 1949. Another pathologist, this time named, uh, oh wait, is this the one you're talking, Thomas Erskine Cleland? I thought that was a different one than the first one. I could be wrong. I don't know. Anyways. I thought, am I not wrong? Was it, was the, yeah, Cle- maybe Cleland was the second one? Yeah. And Cle- Dwyer was the first one? Because I remember yeah. those. Well, hey, we, we. Okay. Maybe I, I got them mixed up. I apologize. We got all our facts straight here at the ACP. <laughs> I tell you what. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, always. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. So. This one didn't really uncover a whole lot of new stuff, but this time around, the pathologist did notice that the shoes appeared to be very clean and recently polished. They were much cleaner than you would expect given the circumstances. So if the man had been walking around the beach or the beach area, they would be pretty dusty. 
I don't know if you've ever walked around in sand wearing shoes, but your shoes get real dirty real quick. They're not going to look clean and shiny. Oh, yeah. So he suggests that because of this, and other people think because of this, that he was already either dead or unconscious when he was brought to the beach. And this would line up with that other strange account of people who came forward 10 years later saying they saw somebody carrying somebody. Again, I guess Australia's got a lot of drunk people. <laughs> like, ah, oh, he's just carrying his friend around who's, you know, who's passed out. That's You see that every night, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, hey, man, if they're, if they're doing shoeies, then, yeah, they got to be... They got to be partying pretty hard, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's shout out to Tai Tuivasa. Yeah. I sad to see him lose this last time, but he's still pretty young. He can come back. Yeah. I believe he can. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's right up there, man. He's very skilled. So he'll, he'll probably make a comeback. I hope, I don't know. He's, he's a very entertaining fighter, but anyways, um, they, so that, that supports the idea that he was carried there because of his shoes. But, um, they, you know, like they said, there's a, there's a controversy over what, whether or not the witnesses the, saw the guy lying there was even the same guy they saw. So it could be that somebody was lying in that spot, got up and walked away and somebody else carried that guy there later, which also could explain the time dis discrepancy with the time of death and all that stuff. So it, it doesn't mm -hmm. really tell us a whole lot. But it does tell us that he was almost certainly carried there. He didn't walk there himself. Um, now, the witnesses never saw... The, this second one also said, by the way, that they thought he was poisoned. And one of the things they noted is common to poisoning of some kind, whether it's with benzos or whatever it is, uh, there's typically tends to be like convulsions and vomiting. And nobody reported him doing that. So by the time he was brought to the place... He was probably almost dead or completely dead. One of the witnesses said they saw him move his arm. So he might've been, that might've been his last convulsion and whatever vomiting or whatever he had done would have been happened at a different place, you know, wherever the murder took place. If that, if indeed it was a murder, if it was a suicide, you would have expected to see him vomiting and convulsing on the beach. Sorry to be gross to everybody, mm. but this is just, you know, details of the case that we kind of have to have to talk about you know so next before we move on to the next piece where you know believe it or not it actually gets even stranger we'll take a break here to do some advertising so let me hit the advertising flag boom so i can cut oh. that out for our patreon subscribers anyways have you got some cryptocurrency that you need to protect well you should check out the ledger wallet the ledger wallet is basically like a little thumb drive that you connect to your computer through a usb cord and it's completely separate from your computer. So the bad guys can't get into it. It protects all of your stuff in basically an offline cold wallet. Keep those cryptocurrencies safe. Check out the ledger wallet link in the description. All right, let's get back to the show. Agent ETA, would you like to talk about probably the weirdest part of this case? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of weird parts. What we were talking about here, the, the scrap of paper, the piece of paper found the scrap of paper. So yeah. some months later, after he had, you know, the body had been found and stuff, um, I think that it was actually John Cleland that had found the scrap of paper. Am I am I correct about that? Uh, I didn't actually. John Cleland, who actually happened to be a a cousin of the 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 other uh, Thomas Cleland. Funny enough. Yeah, I didn't actually know who found it, but did you know that? No, I did not know that. <laughs> That's what. 
that's what I had read. He is actually a, a, a cousin of, of Thomas Cleland. Hmm. So at any rate, um, they they found a scrap of paper in his trousers, and it had been torn out of a book. But uh, written on this scrap of paper, it said "Tumun Shud," which in Persian means like I mean, there's a couple different translations that I saw. It could be like the end, or this is the end, or full up, or fed up. Yeah. Um, and I know there's other. I I don't know what I don't know Persian. So I don't know what the hell the the translation is there into English. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it had been found in a, what I I also read to be described like a, as a hidden pocket. You know, in in his trousers, trousers, yeah, trousers. Yeah, I, but, uh, so I saw at any rate, pocket, um, but I also saw it described as a watch pocket. So I don't know. It was a little pocket in the pocket <laughs> somehow. Yeah, I heard a couple different yeah. descriptions, and I don't know what the hell the re- reality is there. You'd have to be there, right, and see yeah. it to see what the hell, if it's hidden or if it's a, just a, a wash pocket. Yeah, now- A hot pocket, whatever, you know? This, to me, this detail screams like calling card. You know what I mean? If if you're going right. to off somebody, I mean, I don't know. It, it's just such a very strange detail. It's like, if, yeah. if it was suicide, you would do like a suicide note or something. You're not going to- tear off a little scrap of paper and put it in your pocket. It's so weird. But if you wanted to send a message, you know, if this was like a cloak and dagger kind of a deal and you knew that paper that was going to get be. found, you know, it's sort yeah, of a way. Be. Well, cause could, yeah, it's sort of a yeah, way for you to say to be a calling card. Yeah. I did it without saying you did it. And the fact that it was in Persian yeah. has to be significant, right? Why Persian? You know what I mean? Well, well, because it was art. So it was the last two words um, of a, a Persian poetry book that was actually made in the 19th century by a uh, gen- gentleman named uh, Omar Khayyam. I, I, I'm not sure if I've, I, I'm pronouncing that correct, but it was it was, it was a part of a it was a, the last two words of a poetry book that was uh, called um, the Rabbiat of Omar Khayyam, and. Yeah. Um, it was a book. Uh, it was a book that, in this this particular poet was known for kind of uh, writing a lot about like death and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it was it was one of the the common uh, themes in, in his poetry. So like that's also one of the things that kind of leads me to to be kind of. I mean, it makes me question. All right, so he was you know found with this this uh, shroud of paper right there from a poet that you know. Is is often right, you know, in his day at least, often wrote poetry about death and stuff, and was very uh, interested about it. Obviously, so was that something that was, you know, like it, did that mean something? You know what I mean? I, I mean, I can't, I kind of question that. You know what I mean? Right. So an, another, just an interesting detail about the book. I, I looked it up because I thought at first, looking at the title, I thought that seems like a pretty obscure book for somebody to tear a piece of paper out of in Australia, right? But no, uh-huh. actually, this book was popular and probably still is, I don't know, poetry is not really yeah. my thing. But this at the time, this was actually a very popular book worldwide, so it wouldn't be unusual yeah. to find it on your average bookshelf even. So it, it was not not super hard to find this book back in the day, I suppose. Also, supposedly this yeah. particular edition was a 1941 edition and it there was, I guess, different editions had different translations, and some of them did not have 
those last words still in Persian. Some of them had them in English or whatever language it had been translated to. So this specific book, which was published yeah. in New Zealand, apparently, had that particular unique thing to it was that had Taman should as the last line on the last page. And that's actually sometimes the case is referred to as the Taman should mystery or something like that. But um, mm. I, I thought Summerton Man, you know, it's it's more commonly I've seen it as Summerton Man before. I haven't seen it as often as the Taman should mystery or whatever it is. Yeah. So the the police noticed that the scrap had to be from a book and they they put pictures of the book or the, of the scrap on TV and whatever and they actually found the book. <laughs> the, yeah. What, what are the I, chances? I was amazed by that. Yeah, what are the friggin' right, chances? The, the the scrap the scrap lined up with that book. It was like it, it seemed like it was definitely from that particular book. Yeah. They did like a microscopic but, analysis. Well, the crazy thing is I, Yeah. Go ahead, ETA. Well, the crazy thing about it was like, uh, so if I if I remember correctly, the person that had found that book, like it had been thrown in the backseat of their car, but it was like, like what was it? It was, it was a while before the body was even found. Like it wasn't like a couple months before or something like that or- A week some, or two. Something like that. You remember this? It was a week or two? Okay. All right. So I, I was, so, uh, you know, I was mistaking weeks for months there, which happens sometimes, well, you know, when I drink, you know? So- there, there so. seems to be some controversy about when exactly the book was found. Some people, some, sometimes uh -huh. it's referred to as a week or two. Sometimes it might be more, sometimes less. I don't know. It's a little, it's not necessarily a hard fact that it was a week or two before. It could be different. And the person who found it, um, it was, it was a little bit after the event. So maybe a few months or something. So it's possible that he remembered incorrectly and it could have actually been found mm. the day of, or the day after or whatever. It could have been found somewhere around that time. But mm. yeah, so the, the story, do you know the story for, for why it was not, dis the book was not discovered right away? Uh, I mean, roughly, uh, maybe I'm not sure exactly what you're oh. ref uh, referring well, yeah. to. So what I found was that he was actually borrowing the car, I think from his brother or something, or a roommate, or something. I forget which. I forgot to notate this part. Isn't that isn't that always a story? Yeah, it's not my car. It's just uh, yeah. it's not my pants. It's not my pants. I don't know why those drugs are in there. Well, so I, I guess I borrowed these pants. Those aren't mine. I was just watching that from my friend. I guess he was borrowing the car, what? and somebody tossed the book in his back seat or whatever, probably through an open window, and the car was yeah. unlocked or whatever. So he drove home and took the book home or whatever. And his roommate thought it was his book. He thought it was somebody else's book. They both thought it was the other person's book, so they didn't really pay much attention to it um, until they'd seen it on the TV. And then they started looking in the book and they noticed, holy crap, this isn't either one of our books, <laughs> you know? So then they, they yeah, gave, handed yeah. it over to the police. It's kind of an interesting story. Like this phantom book appears and they both just assume that it belongs to somebody else. Which is reasonable. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you don't talk about it, then you just like, you just make assumptions. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, that's a common thing, I would think. You know? Yeah. Not unreasonable. And as far as I could found, as far as I could find, the man who discovered the book, the name was not released and it's still not known to this day who actually discovered the book. That's what I mean. Some of the names, we're still not sure who these people yeah. were. Some of them, we do know who they were. Some of the people involved. So there was another really interesting detail about the book, like as if that's not weird enough, right? Just the scrap of paper, somebody tears mm. a scrap of paper off and either puts it in a hidden pocket 
and commits suicide or is drugged and then the person who kills them tears that off and puts it in there. Either way, that's pretty freaking weird, right? I haven't never heard of anything Absolutely. like that. But but then it gets even weirder. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, what was found in the book? You're like, yeah. what? In the back of the <laughs> yeah, book, go ahead, Anderson is written what appears to be some kind of code or cipher. So it's it's five lines, and I won't read all the lines because it's pretty much gobbledygook. But for example, the first line is W R G O A B A B D. This could be a code or a cipher or whatever. The second line is actually crossed out. And some people think that if it's a cipher, he had been doing it incorrectly, whoever was writing it, he or she, we don't know, mm-hmm. and and crossed it out and then continued. Between the third and fourth line, there's a line with an X through it, but the X is m- probably a mark over the O in the next line. And they're not sure. That's the only letter with an X over it that may or may not be significant. And then under the Mm -hmm. last line, there's like another line, like as if they were underlining it sort of, but off to the side. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Now, people have been trying to decode this ever since. Professionals, amateurs, anybody and everybody has been trying to make some kind of connection as to what this could actually mean, what it could stand for. Some people think that each letter is the first letter of a word. Other people think that it's a a single-use cipher, maybe even from the book that it's in, although that is sort of doubtful in my opinion, because if you were doing a cipher, so a single-use cipher, I I think that's what they call it, you'll take like a page out of a book, and you'll use that page to decode the book, any random book. You could take anything. So Moby Dick, page 57, you, you you give that to both people ahead of time, so both people know that that's what you use to decode the message ahead of time. Nobody else Mm -hmm. will be able to know that because there are so many books out there. It would be virtually impossible to identify the book that is used to decode it, right? It'd be a needle in a haystack. There's no way you're going to choose the correct page from the correct book or the correct passage from that page even. So you would have to know both people who are, you know, the person writing the code or the cipher and the person deciphering it would both know ahead of time, nobody else would know what book or what passage from that book was used, right? So that's a single-use cipher. Mm -hmm. So it would seem strange to me that you would actually choose the book that it was written in because you're giving away the book it's in, making it much easier to decode it. Still fairly difficult, but much, much easier to find the... So I I, I would find it very strange if it was actually a cipher from that book or a passage from that book. It would seem to make more sense if it was from somewhere else, but... You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know. Maybe these were the laziest spies on the planet, I suppose. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so... They're the best we got. Nobody has been able to decode this. Some people... One one person thinks, you know, who... We'll talk about them later on when we talk about the identity. They posed the idea that it was, uh, I guess, one person they think was... Well, you know, maybe we'll hold off on the, that until later because I don't want to get to the that at the very end, I think, is the best for that. who we think it was, but there's also another really kind of weird piece of information in the book. And that was the phone number of Jessica Ellen Thompson in the back of the book. There's a phone number or Joe Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that number, that number they only found because they found the indentation of that number. Right. Yeah. 
So like the number wasn't actually written in the book, but they, 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 they saw through like, you know, like, uh, you know, they, they put a light on it to, cause they saw some annotations and they're like, Oh, that's a phone number. Yeah. You know, and then they don't know, like, cause the, the, that phone number wasn't on that ripped out piece of paper or anything, but that was definitely like, they found it because they saw the indentation of the, that writing. It wasn't a writing, but it was an annotation of it and they saw it and then, they they were able to figure out like all right well let's let's contact this person right they 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 found who the name w- was that was connected to that number and uh, they interviewed her actually and they contacted her but she would say nothing about it from what I understand yeah. right so she was a nurse and she apparently lived thirteen hundred feet from where the body was found which is about a quarter mile yeah give or take right more yep. or less so that's pretty close that's that's really weird that they find her phone number in the back of that book. Like I said, there is no detail to this case. That's just like, oh, okay, that, that checks out. That's what you would find in a murder or suicide. Nothing is normal in this right. case. It's all really friggin' weird. <laughs> so, so many red yeah. flags. Yeah. So like, hey, I just, just on a side note, yeah. actually, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Agent Kruger. You're just saying, uh, we had Anorak High, uh, one of our listeners jumped in to say that the Taman should means, uh, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, but, uh, was saying it means it is over. Yeah. Uh, he says, he yeah, that's, that's what one, yeah, that, I think that's the most common interpretation. I, I kind of glanced that's, over that, but yeah. yeah, dude, that's so weird. Like, that's such a fucking. I mean, it's like almost like there was, he had knowledge that he was gonna die at that moment at some, or at somebody's, or, you know. Making it clear that and what's up. Or so Jessica was apparently a fan of the book, as many people were. So maybe whoever offed the guy, if that's what happened, was sending a message to her specifically because they knew that she liked the book. That's you know, another, oh. another possibility. I'm not saying that, that that's just pure another speculation, but you never know, right? But you never know. But yeah, I, I wanted weird to like that <laughs> before ETA continued with her. I want to just mention that she lived very close to where the body was found. Cause I think that's a potentially important detail, but yeah. Did you want to talk mm-hmm. about the interviews and, and whatnot with, as far as if there's not that much, but they did interview her. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the interviews to be quite honest, but I do know uh, about a later connection, which I don't oh, think we want to mention at the moment. Oh. Um, Okay. Yeah, it's been the audio has been cutting out in and out for me as well. Yeah, yeah it kind of faded out for both of you right there. I don't know if that was well. I'm sure the NSA is getting all kinds of keywords okay. from this conversation, so they're probably popping in too. Right, I know <laughs> they've been tipped off. They're getting mad. <laughs> that that happens sometimes <laughs> with certain case files, particularly the 9/11 cases and the uh, um, what was it the um, that slideshow and. There's been a couple of cases where we had a lot of oh, audio yeah. cutouts and I was like, shouldn't they have developed technology already that doesn't interrupt your audio when they start cutting in and messing with your feed? You know what I mean? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you would think they would, but you yeah. never know. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah, she was, uh, she was interviewed by the police and she claimed that she didn't know who it was. So the police made a, uh, like a, a cast or, um, you know, like, um, Oh yeah, a death mask. Yeah, like a mold. It was, they 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 hired, so they hired a taxidermist, um, uh, and then they they made a a plaster cast of his like like the top part of his shoulders, and uh, his head. Yeah, and um, actually, like so so they actually brought her in to like like try to see if they could you know have her identify the body, 
and it has been said that like like now she she said supposedly like you know when she's like she didn't she didn't recognize a body she didn't recognize a head or anything like that but um you know it it was said that her reaction to that caster though was like she she seemed to have like noticeably react to it like she was shocked that she at what she was. was at what she was seeing but she she chose not to say anything about it though you know yeah and i read wow. that she looked away and refused to look back at the cast she only looked at it once and then she wouldn't look yeah. at it after that no which if, yeah. if she didn't recognize oh, that was the man, a lover. <laughs> you know what I mean? A little weird to act that well, way. Some, some, some people say that it was just her reaction to seeing the face of a dead man, but I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Like may, yeah. maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's possible. It's a caster plast though. It's not the know. guy That's himself, possible. you know? Yeah. A but you definitely cast, get it. If you get a, I mean, you get emotional with that stuff. So maybe, I mean, definitely in that day and age you really showed your emotion a lot more exuberant than people do nowadays you know what i mean so i would definitely that she definitely recognized him that's for sure yeah she was also, also, that to no. me. like she was angry she was also interviewed for a book in 2002 by the author of the book jerry feltis and he said that she seemed like she was being evasive when he was asking her questions but that, I mean, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean, I mean anything. The name of that author is also very suspect. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Jerry <laughs> Feltis? What do you mean? Yeah. Who do you feel? What are you talking about? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, little weird name there. It sounds like a poor name. Why do we come across so many poor names on this show? It's, well, it, is a poor it sounds name. to me like an accusation more than a name. Wait, what's the you name know? again? Oh, that's true. Jerry yeah, Feltus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a poor name. I mean, that's almost like a case name right there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Jerry Feltus. I just uh, I just checked our um, our live chats popping off tonight. Awesome. Yes, sir. Yeah, I've been posting pictures as we go when we talk nice. about certain. Um, Danny Hello, says, everybody. Denny says, I'm not sure if I should say not sure if I evening guys say, or what's yeah. 1230. Oh, it's, I guess it's getting late. Yeah. If, if you got to go, then, you know, we'll have this back, uh, you know, we'll edit it up and get it ready to go. We understand. I mean, it's, it's late for a lot of people, unfortunately, but this is the time we can do it. It's hard to coordinate all of our different schedules. And even then a lot of the time it doesn't work out. So we understand if you got to dip out. Oh. No big deal. <laughs> I thought he was talking about like, he just woke up or something. Oh, maybe. Like, yeah. Maybe he did. Oh, no. I, well, maybe, maybe not. But I, I, I've seen Denny on many of our live streams, so he's definitely a, a const, you know, and you know, he's somebody who's viewing Denny often. And I, I, I appreciate the shit out of that. Yeah, hell yeah, absolutely. And everybody, all six. I mean, this is a record. We've holding six people. Can this is amazing? Well, no, we. I had, think we've had a couple more than that, but we, we it, had way more on episode. We've had 150. more. No, no, but I mean, con concurrent. But I'm saying like yeah. concurrent, like staying in the actual, oh, yeah, not yeah. just like listening to our opening and then bailing. They're here, but they like us. Speaking of, I want to try to do streams <laughs> on more platforms. I'm going to try to figure out how I can do like Discord and maybe Twitch and YouTube or whatever, like all at the same time. Cause then, you know, give more people access. Not everybody is on Discord. You know, a lot of people are on Facebook, for example, but that, you know, they yeah. make a much larger audience, which would be kind of fun, I think, you know, if we can get more people in the audience. But yeah. It's fun and stressful. <laughs> it's not but a super. I'm, I'm down. I'm. It's not a super big priority, but I am kind of reading up on it here and there. Apparently, OBS is the way to use do it, which 
uh, OBS yeah. is kind of kind of hard to use for but, streaming. Yeah, but if we, that's if you're like doing Twitch and stuff like that. I mean, we want a live stream like that, but yeah, that's a different story for a different day. Yeah, different topic, different topic. So we have further information about Jessica's daughter, Kate. Uh, Kate said in a TV interview in 2014 that she felt like her mother knew the man's identity. And she said that um, her mother was had lied about it and that her mother also was probably a spy. And she felt the man was a spy. Apparently, Jessica spoke yeah. Russian. <laughs> um, oh, hello. And yeah. th- so we only have one person saying this kind of stuff. But if her daughter came out and said that, yeah, my mom was a spy, she, you know, she knew this man and she was lying about it. And, you know, she also said that she felt like the government, the higher up in the government, higher up than the police, basically is what she said, knew who this guy was. She wasn't more specific than that. But yeah, she says something, something to the effect of like it was on another level or a different level than the police or something like that. Right. Yeah. Sus. But that's something like that. That's her own daughter came forward and said that, yeah, she was lying and she knew who the guy was. And we have witnesses that said that, yeah, she saw, she saw the cast and it looked like she knew who he was. So I think it's fair to say that, well, it's plausible at least that Jessica knew who the guy was. That's definitely plausible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially considering the phone number in the book, which I don't, that's such a weird detail, man. Such a weird detail. So there, what if, what if it was yeah. like some jealous, not jealous rage, but like some sort of like, I don't want to say pity. Like, I mean, maybe it was like a love or something that didn't work out or whatever. And in a, in a sense of rage ish, like, you know what I mean? He just acted out. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to take my life over by the beach or something like that. And she's like, oh yeah, whatever, do whatever you're going to do. Yeah. And then he did I'll, it. I'll and she teach was just you. Like. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. just something stupid, like, and then it just is hold this mystery for so long, but in reality, it was just, like, a little spat that somebody, you know, I mean, it's taking your own life, you know, I hope he didn't. I hope there was, you know, more normal causes for his death, but, you know, ah, that's just, that sucks. I mean, it definitely looks like in the, if the, it does look where it just kind of like, you know, I would like to think of the peaceful way of, you know, everything. But then there's the other shit that makes this so weird. Like, okay, maybe he was a secret agent or just something off. Sorry, secret I didn't mean to agent, Mile. Yeah. So over time, because the story blew up so much, over time, hundreds of people came forward claiming they knew the dead man. You know, he looked familiar to them or they looked like them or whatever. But all of those leads ended up not panning out. There were a couple where he looked very, very similar to somebody that had gone missing, but it always turned out that he was actually not the same guy, unfortunately. But there was, so there was one detail I didn't mention yet. So a witness came out later on who worked at a hotel near the uh, Adelaide railway station. And she reported that she saw a strange man who had stayed there for a few days and checked out on November 30th. He had a small black case that he carried around with him and one of the employees peeked in it and said that they had seen a needle in it. Now I'm kind of skeptical of this particular, (laughs) this particular witness as well, because if you're carrying around your murder weapon, you're not going to just leave it lying around where somebody can open the case and look in it. Also, yeah, 
hotel workers in general don't go around peeking into people's stuff, their luggage and their baggage bags and whatever. Maybe sh- maybe at a maybe at an airport, but yeah. not necessarily at a hotel. May, yeah. I'm sure some people are nosy. But this was back in the day, and you some know people what I do. Mean? This was, but in general, you know, you're working at a hotel. You're going to give guests that privacy because nobody wants to stay at a hotel if people are going through their stuff. So, to yeah. me, that description. I'm a little skeptical of, but who knows? Anything's possible. I mean, do we know the state of this hotel back in the day? Was this like a swanky place or was this sort of like, you know, slumming it a little bit? Oh, I'm not too sure about that. I, yeah. I, I, By chance? I, I, I didn't get the impression of that. I mean, who knows? But to me, it seemed like a mid-level hotel that had a, a decent reputation. I never looked into it really, but, yeah, right. you know, I mean, it's just one of those things I guess I, I just assumed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. <clears throat> well, that's, yeah. I mean, even for somebody to admit that they like, they're sneaking through luggage though. And that's, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, you never outing know. yourself. Right. So, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm on the side of maybe that's not a credible statement too, or with you, yeah. agent Anderson. So, yeah, but, uh, sorry. That, that would ahead. make sense to me. There were uh, just a, a random note. There were, two things in the area that would have been of interest to spies. There was a uranium mine and a military research facility, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because there's stuff all over the place that could be of interest to spies. I mean, even Twitter headquarters could be of interest to a spy because there are prominent people and politicians on there all the time communicating. You know what I mean? So, Sure. Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it could mean something. Oh, Denny says, oh, Denny's in Michigan, dude. There are a lot of UFO cases from Michigan, like a ton of UFO. The first, yes, there are. The first episode I did was on the Michigan swamp gas from 1966. So yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. probably get to more from there. Cause there's a lot, a lot of weird stuff happening in Michigan. There's, there's a podcast that is a regional Michigan UFO type podcast. Although they do branch out on occasion. I haven't listened to all their stuff, but I do enjoy them. Let me see. Actually, what is there? I forget the name of their podcast. It's, um, let me look it up. It's on my, it's on my feed. Give them a shout out. Cause uh, I actually want to contact them and have them on the show. Cause I enjoy their show. They're, they have really, really interesting stuff on there. They, I, I subscribe to way too many podcast let me see let me see where is this um i i, I gotta get rid of some of this i subscribe to way much way too much stuff man. you got a problem agent Anderson. And, i know and by the way check out check out swamp talks that we were just on last uh like just a couple of days ago there oh yeah for sure Wrong that's right going to be coming out on friday so i'll put that on on twitter probably so yeah the podcast yeah, is a fun time the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Uh, what a what a mouthful. So the the hosts are a husband and wife team, and they actually started the podcast uh, basically because they had a UFO sighting of their own. So it's a pretty cool origin story. Like I've oh, I've had cool. a couple of minor UFO sightings. Nothing I would say is too crazy, but they saw like a full on crazy ass sighting, which I don't want to spoil it, and that's you know a little too far field, anyways. But yeah, I, I want to start getting more guests on the show just for fun. It's just fun to have different people and talk to them and stuff. And that's one of the people I want to contact oh, yeah. to see if we can get them on or not. We should have a power hour or some sort of uh, way to like, 
you know, just bring a bunch of people that have, you know, experiences themselves just for like a quick chat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come up on stage, talk about their experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That'd yeah. be great. Table it. If you are listening to this show well, and you want I mean, to tell your story, you're more than welcome to come on with us. Just join us on discord here. And it's real easy. If you're in the audience, we you can just raise your hand and we can click on you and bring you up to the stage and you can talk with us. So it's a pretty cool. Yeah, don't interface. worry. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Come up on, come one, come all share your some story. People, you're safe here. Some people don't want to though. Like I had a coworker that was like all in at one point. And I like, you know, I asked him, Hey, do you want to come and tell your story? Mm-hmm. And like at the last moment he was like, nah, no, nah, I don't want to anymore. Uh, he's you know? just a yeah. slacker. Uh, it could, could have gotten say. stage fright. Um, some people get stage fright. He might've also been worried that, uh, there could be some sort of personal repercussions because a lot of people, man, if, if you say you saw something, then that could cost you your job even. So, well, they I might can, think you're crazy. Yeah. Maybe. I can definitely There's understand that. that. I, I think, I think that's, that's what most people are concerned about. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, people could care less, but people think of them nowadays. Right. I mean, of course there's people out there, but definitely, um, or other way around. Sorry. Job be damned, but personal reputation just. Right. Uh, you know what? I already confused myself. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I just to- <laughs> totally confused yeah, myself again. there. But again, but again. <laughs> All right. So back to the, the Somerton man. There's just a little bit more here that we haven't gone over yet. And by the way, all the stuff we're going over, I mean, there are podcasts who've done like hours and hours and hours on this stuff. So we're going over it very, very briefly. You can go into quite a lot more depth yeah, with this one. If it's going to take a, if you want to go into depth with this, like in detail, like, like there is just shit. This, this podcast alone would take, if you want to go into good, solid detail with this, like it would take shit dude you could do like you know at, at least like three or four like two and a half hour podcasts on it at least and there, there would still be maybe a, a little bit more you can go into you know Easily, like yeah. it's it's, it's a, there's a lot of detail here that that's the one thing like i said before like when i <clears throat> excuse me when i started to get into this like i was just like wow this is a this is a lot more in depth than i thought it was going to be you know, like, it's, and if I anybody just, has stuff that we haven't pointed out, or if you want, like, an angle we're not looking well, at, I mean, please plenty. let us know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's <laughs> we. Yeah, we've only we've barely just scratched the surface. The case is so weird, such a bizarre case. It's just yeah. It's what I don't normally like doing true crime type stuff like this because it's kind of a bummer. It usually revolves around somebody getting murdered. That's not that much fun, but this one is a real mystery, and every every piece of evidence is just so bizarre like why would they do that what why does it detail what does this detail mean it's just it's just a real mystery it's a really interesting mystery i was hoping ether could come on with us because she loves mysteries but unfortunately she had to should we know, do a to part today, two so uh she she could I listen mean, to it and maybe she can talk about thing. it next time okay. if she wants to give her own opinion for a few minutes but anyways so okay. another piece of evidence evidence that was found is in 2011 a woman from Adelaide found an ID card in her father's stuff that looked, the picture looked like the Somerton man. The card was for a man named H.C. Reynolds, who was apparently a British national. Upon examination, they had an expert examine the picture. Um, it had similarities to the ear shape and a mole on the cheek. So it was similar in general, but you could say eye shape and nose shape and stuff, I guess, isn't really that unique. 
but the ear shape is pretty unique and a mole on the cheek is in a spot that it'd be very unlikely to match the man, you know, the picture. So yeah, because, because yeah, he actually important. had, he actually had a, uh, a unique uh, shape to his ears, right? Uh, the upper, I don't know what, what the specific, uh, maybe Anderson, maybe you might know about uh, like the actual terms, but yeah, I forgot what his upper called. ear lobe. Um, his, yeah, the upper part of his ear was very pointy, was, like almost elf like. Well, no, it was larger than the lower part, which typically, like, you know, like, it, it, that's not always the case w- within Caucasian males, you know, in particular. Yeah. So, um, like, he had, he had a, he had a couple unique, uh, physical traits, uh, that would set him apart from other people. And not only that, but he was also missing, um, and, uh, on the top part of his mouth, his, uh, was his incisors, I think on both sides were missing, Incisors, or, but it was, it's not something that it wasn't teeth that he had been, he had had pulled out. It was something he was born without from what I understand. Oh, really? And okay. so it was like a, it was like a, it was like a, uh, uh, a feature of DNA that was not common. So, um, it was something that they, they used to, uh, later try to. Uh, connect him with other people as far as like DNA and stuff was concerned. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, but I mean, we'll get into that. I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, so the ID had a couple of things to, to go over before that. Yeah. The, the picture of the ID was very similar, but um, they couldn't find any record of HC Reynolds by the United States or the United Kingdom or the Australian governments. Nobody had any record of him whatsoever in the military. This is a military ID. I guess it was like an ID that the United States might issue to somebody from the UK if they were like working together or something. Um, Now, Uh, this is a really interesting detail. It's not necessarily a slam dunk, but the similarities are striking. The chances of those features being the same are pretty small. Not impossible, but small. So it could be, this could be a, the man, H.C. Reynolds could absolutely be, absolutely be the man, but uh, it's not, it's not proof. It's just sort of, you know, one lead that might lead somewhere eventually and may not ever. I don't know. But one thing I was mm. thinking about on this, what in the hell is a woman from, or a man actually, her father, what is a man in Adelaide doing with the military ID from somebody from the U.K.? Right? What, where did that come Very from? Odd. How did he... I don't know. There's, there's a couple possibilities. So if you go to like thrift stores or antique stores, they will sometimes have old books, old documents, things like this, uh, old yeah. photographs. And he, he might have been on vacation and he might have just seen it and bought it because he is a souvenir kind of because it looked interesting to him. I've seen stuff like this in these places, I haven't seen a military ID specifically, but I've seen all sorts of certificates, yeah, postcards, that. photographs, you know, family pictures, even all sorts of stuff that you can find in these antique stores. So that's one possibility, yeah. I suppose, is that he maybe bought it even in the United Kingdom and brought it home as sort of a souvenir. That's one possibility. Uh, another possible, possi- yeah. Another possibility is that he knew the man, maybe he was some sort of secret agent and he knew the man. Maybe he saw the body and was able to remove the ID from it before the body was found to hide his identity. I mean, these are all pure speculation, but there's any number of reasons why he could have this ID. 
but it seems on the surface very strange for some guy to have some random ID from a completely different country halfway across the world. Oh, very. You know? Very strange. Oh, very, yeah. Very strange. I was sure. It yeah. just feels like it just like if you had to like if you were approaching this case and it was like an an arrow on a road telling you to go this way, you know what I mean? This is the right way. Yeah. But then it's immediately met with another arrow pointing the other opposite way, and then another arrow that's going up, down, you know what I mean? It's just all over the place. There is no like one like path to approach this case. It's just right. so many different angles to it. Yeah. So there have been some more recent developments. In 2019, approval was granted to exhume the body for DNA testing. And there are, there are people who claim to be relatives or descendants of the Somerton man. And DNA would mm. conclusively prove or disprove those claims if they could get some from the body. Now, before this, they were reluctant to exhume the body because, you know, they, they're like, well, just because you're curious doesn't mean we're going to dig them up, you know, but... They eventually mm-hmm. caved in to some pressure or other and and uh, exhumed him in 2021. Now, as far as I could find, they haven't said whether or not they were able to get any good DNA from him. It's been a while. You know, it's been many years, and I guess his body was embalmed. So there may not be any DNA to get. But our our science and technology is much, much better than it has been before in the past. So mm-hmm. they might be able to get some DNA from him. They were also able to get some, some DNA from hair that was stuck in the plaster mold, but the DNA that they got from that was not full strand DNA. It was not a full DNA. It was only partial DNA. So that is not 100% useful. It is useful. It is a very important piece of evidence, but it's not necessarily a slam dunk, unfortunately. So now we finally get to. The latest revelation that just came out this year, somebody claims to have found mm-hmm. the identity of the Somerton man. Would you like to talk about that, Agent ETA? Sure. So so from what I understand, if I'm talking about the same thing here, this was a discovery that was made by a professor that was in Adelaide uh, named uh, Derek Abbott. Yep. And also um, a, uh, what was, uh, it was Colleen Fitzpatrick. Yes. And she was an expert, like in DNA analysis and stuff, right? Yeah. And um, they did they did testing on these. And from what I understand, it was like three or four hair fibers that were actually uh, collected from the uh, that plaster casting, and they were basically like like tired of like waiting for you know the South Australian you know uh, police. Uh, uh, I forget what their exact title is, but. You know, after the body had been exhumed and stuff, they had already tried to test it once, and they only got like two percent of like uh, the the DNA sequencing that they could. And then they they went and did a, a I guess a better test, like a more in thorough. Um, they got more money and stuff, and they they did a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what these tests are called and stuff like that, but they were able to get some DNA sequencing from these four strands of hair that they had collected. And um, seems like they they did a great deal of of uh, research into this, and, and uh, like the main the main person here with when it comes to this is uh, uh, Colleen Fitzpatrick, and she is one of like the world experts. Like like she is she is she knows what the hell she's doing with this kind of stuff. You know, from like that's the that's the the understanding that I got from it. She, you know, like like 
So they were able to like they spent a lot of time doing doing like DNA sequencing and and, and trying to find out like any any kind of connection between um, DNA and stuff that had already been collected, and they they actually found that it's it's quite possible that this man could have been a man named Carl Webb or Charles Webb. He went by two different names. Yeah, an electrical so, engin- so, uh, engineer. This is. Yes, and yes, yeah, an electrical engineer, um, amongst a couple other things, but like, uh, it, it seems like this this seems to be the man that 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 you know that that we're talking about here, uh, and, and he they actually found like descendants and stuff, and they they cross referenced like the the DNA sequencing, and the, and it seems to be pretty solid. I mean, as far as what I can see, like I'm not you know, like, uh, educated in this kind of stuff. So I can't necessarily, I'm not going to be like, you know, somebody can say like, yes, this is, this is definitely solid proof. You know what I mean? Uh, but it does seem to be pretty damn compelling to me that the work that, that Derek Abbott did, uh, along with, uh, Colleen Fitzpatrick, it seems like they did their due diligence, you know, it seemed like they put a bunch of effort into this and like, especially, I mean, both of them, but like, like, uh, Derek Abbott, like uh, it's kind of a funny, it's kind of a funny story that this guy went through with his uh, connection to this case, because he, he um, so he's a professor, right? And he originally he just found this case like like in, in a magazine. He was just like watching like the story that I heard him um, give was like he was watching his laundry basically, <laughs> you know, and he he picked up a magazine. And he found like you know it was like the the ten most common like like uh, unsolved cases within Australia or what have you, and then he found that this was like the second case, and he was like, oh, this is very interesting. This might be a good like uh, lesson to you know put in my class or whatever you know to for whatever reason. Um, I didn't hear that. I mean, it wasn't very well described from the the interview that I saw, but um, you know he he became more and more involved in it, and uh, through through a um, I think he ended up contacting um, the great granddaughter of a uh, what was that woman? Uh, Joe Joe Thompson. What, what, Jessica. What was, what was her name? Jessica. Joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jessica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica. And so, uh, like, it was. I, I find it kind of funny that uh, he contacted this woman and wanted her DNA to try to like like help with the case, you know, best pickup yeah, line yeah, ever yeah, by Jessica the way. Thompson. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> she's, Hey baby, can I have some right, of your DNA? Right? <laughs> so her, her, Hey, Hey baby doll. Let me just ask you something. Let me get that, that sweet ass DNA. <laughs> but like, no, her, her name is, uh, was Rachel Egan, but, uh, she was a granddaughter of, of Thompson, you know? And, uh, it's kind of funny because like they, they, they ended up meeting up, and uh, they had like a dinner at some like a uh, restaurant or something like that. I think it was like a French restaurant or something. Doesn't really matter. But they actually ended up getting married. Yeah. Like like, and they have like three kids nowadays. Like, but it turns out it turns out that it doesn't seem like like she actually is a a, a relative of a uh, Carl Webb or Charles Webb. But uh, it's still kind of a funny thing that like uh, th- this guy ended up meeting his you know his his wife because of this you know, this case, you know, it's, it's kind of funny and good for him. You know, I mean, it seems like they love each other and stuff. And it, like the, obviously they've had three kids together now. So it's not just, uh, you know, him trying to use her for, 
you know, uh, to try to find more out about the case, what have you, you know? Yeah. Well, they got kids but, together. They're still yeah, married. I so. find that kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So obviously they might be doing, they're doing something right. Yeah. Right. Now this, this whole story about the DNA and Derek Abbott and his efforts, by the way, Derek Abbott in general is considered one of the, one of the foremost, uh, experts on the case in general, but this whole, just this whole case is yes. worthy of an entire episode talking about relationships and genealogy and, you know, was somebody having an affair with somebody, you know, were they married, were they divorced, what happened? Um, so apparently like Carl mm-hmm. Webb, uh, kind of went missing, but he got divorced, you know, he divorced his wife or they left, she left him, he left her. I'm not sure sometime around when the case happened. So, you know, he might've been missing it might've been him. So it, it does sort of fit. And, uh, he has a brother-in-law named Thomas or had a brother-in-law named Thomas Keene. So that's yep. a really interesting coincidence, mm. right? So that, right. that clothing, that clothing was found was likely, if this is the case, if it, if that is the person that was likely just a, a hand-me-down or something. Yeah. Right. But, you know. I'm on the fence about this DNA. Like they're calling it a slam dunk. At least all the headlines are case solved kind of a thing. But from what I read about it, like ETA said, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to say that I'm, I have, I'm an authority on this at all. But based on what I read, they're not using like full strand DNA. And they said that they used, like they found like a a extended family of like 4,000 people. And they somehow found this one guy in this family and they didn't actually identify Carl Webb specifically to this DNA. So they didn't find his remains and they didn't match the DNA up to his remains. Well, he just, he fit, So it's kind of like, well, the, uh, uh, to me, the more I looked into it, it looks a little flimsy, to be honest. So it's. Yeah, could be. Yeah. I'm hopeful that they were able to actually use this to identify the guy. And I think that um, if we're patient, then we might find out more about this and it might end up being actually Carl Webb. So this could be a really good lead and it could be new information to the case. But from what I read, I'm not totally convinced that this is the case and we'll see if they, uh, if they publish a book soon about this case, then they have a reason to push this as being the truth. Whereas it may not be a slam dunk, you know? And also, one of the things I see as well as a, a, a bit of a red flag is that since the body has been exhumed, you would think that, like, you know, the law enforcement entities that are involved there would, would have been able to do some DNA sequencing and, and put something out. You would think. You know, like, but they haven't. As far as I've seen, they haven't. Yeah. Right? Which, like. I don't know. Like maybe I'm my, my conspiratorial mind is like uh, brought alive by this. And I'm like, well, how come, how come like, you know, professor Abbott and, and, uh, and everybody has been able to, to make something out of this, but the, you know, law enforcement hasn't. Right. I so mean, yeah, they're the one that can, people they're the one might be they're the the one, chain. Well, they're the one in control of the evidence really at this point, you know, so why haven't they come out with anything yet? I mean, maybe they're just backlogged, maybe, you know, but this is one of those, maybe. I mean, it's one of the biggest cases in Australian history, you know, as far as a, a cold case would go. So 
wouldn't they want to put this to to rest and stop, you know, like uh, spending government resources on it? Just get it over with, right? I yeah. don't know. I mean, you would think, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's like, what if the truth hurts people that are of prominent roles there in Australia? So, because was yeah, it? Didn't maybe. somebody say that when they recognized him, it was somebody who was uh, rather shrouded in mystery, but high up there in the connections. Uh, well, I, could, I mean, I've I seen, could have heard that in my. I've seen my, and read like like all sorts of different conspiracies and opinions about this, and I don't know what the hell is right. You know, like mm-hmm. I think this is this is one of those ones where like I, I just I really don't know what the hell to make of it. Really, to be honest, <laughs> I know that obviously we know some hard facts about the case, all you right. know, but like you know, it's it's uh, I don't know what the hell to make of it. Like it's it's there's there's a lot I'm of right red flags here. There's some hard mm-hmm. evidence for sure. But uh, whether the guy was just, you know, somebody who committed suicide on the beach or whether he was a spy or, you know, was some, you know, there's some kind of cover up going on, whatever it is. Hell if I know, dude. I mean, it's very interesting, but I don't know what the hell to tell you about it, to be quite honest. Like it, it's uh, it just it, it, every every bit of evidence that you, you read from this or, or you know, an interview you may hear, hear from somebody I just don't know what the hell to make of it. I, I can't find, uh, you know, anything that makes the case conclusive as far as an opinion goes. You know what I mean? Right. Very, very mysterious. That's that's where it's I'm mysterious. Like, <laughs> it, it seems like some cloak and dagger stuff. Like he was murdered. It really does seem like that to me. He was probably very carried to so. his resting place, so he probably didn't commit suicide. Yeah. There's all this weird stuff going on with the phone number and the book and all this other stuff, you know, and the missing labels on his clothes and how he had a, a, a what I think That's, is a butter yeah. knife sharpened to a shank or yeah. why, why he would do that and not just buy a knife. I don't know. Or this, the sharpened scissors I found was a very interesting detail because Nobody would really expect you to use scissors as a weapon. So if you sharpen those into a weapon, maybe that's something a spy would do. I don't know. I mean, the fact that well, he missed a train something that would be. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, ETA. Those those weapons are 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 more so untraceable, oh, which would be yeah, okay. indicative of potentially being a murder weapon that a spy could use. Because you even if you, it was used and it was found. You still couldn't trace it to anything, really, you know? Right. Right. So that that stuff and I don't, just just in general, it just seems like it seems like a cloak and dagger kind of a thing, really, you know? I don't know. It's a very, very strange yeah. case. Uh and the fact that he missed that yeah. train that he had a ticket for makes it seem like he was perhaps intercepted by maybe a foreign adversary or something. Or maybe it was something else. Maybe there's some sort of crime involved, you know, um, mm-hmm. if it really was. Oh, that's what I was waiting to mention, too. Another thing is if Carl Webb really was the man, he was supposedly really into gambling on horses. So <laughs> Derek really? Abbott mm-hmm. proposed the idea that that cipher was actually just the first letter of different horses. Like, I, I he didn't really seem serious when he said it. Ah. It was just sort of something he kind of tossed out there. But it's like, well, why would you do that? Why would you write down the first initial of all the horses you chose? I, I don't I don't know. Maybe. That sounds like maybe it was a couple winners and he had some insider trading. And then, maybe. you know, he got whacked. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, maybe it was like a mob hit. 
because he was so into gambling, maybe he had some huge gambling debts or maybe like Adrian Kruger said, there was some inside information going on or something. Who knows? There's any, there's so many different possibilities with this case, but when you get down to it, I feel very strongly that whether or not he was actually Webb or some other person, um, I feel very strongly that he was murdered is how I see the case. Why, how, who, I don't know. But it does seem to me at the very least that he was murdered, that it was not, you know, natural causes. It was not a suicide that that's at the very least. That, well, yeah, no matter, know. no matter what, it was not natural causes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. No natural causes happened there. So the only two options you have is either a suicide or murder, which I lean about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards what Agent Anderson said here, uh, that I, that I, I kind of think it might've been murder because all the red flags that we have talked about, you know, I mean, it's just, there, there's, there's so many things that don't make sense, you know? So Meemaw says if he was web, he was found approximately 12 hours by train from his home. Huh? Okay. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's grew up. Yeah. I saw some of those pictures too. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely match. That would match what we have. So like, yeah, about, about the web thing, I'm not like dismissing it. I'm just sort of waiting until more information comes out because I'm not totally convinced based on what I read, but it's definitely a possibility. That's for sure. Oh, did I, I missed this earlier in the chat, but Denny said that he saw a UFO a long time ago, plus other, other strange things. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I have to get you on the show sometime and tell us your story, but not tonight, because oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're about we're about ready to wrap this one up, I think. So I think that's our final thoughts. Um, I'm cold. Yeah. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm <am> tired. <laughs> so let's, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, if you enjoyed this topic, uh, check out the link in the description. There are s- plenty of books written about the Summerton Man. There's some on Amazon here. I'll put that link down there. Uh, I'm not linking to a specific one, but just in general, Summerton Man books. And if you purchase one of these, it's an affiliate link. It helps the show out a little bit and doesn't cost you anything extra. So that's about all we got for you this time. Would you like to give us a keep it strange? One of the other agents. How about Kruger this time? Hell yeah. Go ahead, Kruger. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Hell (laughs) yeah. Thanks for watching and keep keep it it strange. strange. You sons of bitches. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks everybody. (laughs) 